This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about Ritz crackers. And this, uh, I don't know how we came up with this idea. It wasn't, it wasn't suggested by a listener, as far as I know. Maybe. I feel like we did some sort of episode recently that brought to mind Ritz crackers. Yeah. And then we did it. Did, we're was doing it. it. Did, uh, we're doing the, it right now. We're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that episode that inspired this one where, where we're talking about Jackson crackers or hi-ho crackers, which were progenitors of Ritz crackers? No, I've never heard of either of those. Me, me neither until I, started, until I started researching this episode. I feel like actually maybe I've heard of hi-ho or maybe there's a cra- some other cracker that begins with hi. Yeah, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've heard of ho-hos. Well, that's not a cracker. No. Okay. Maybe yeah, like I high hos were around when we were we were kids. We're gonna see that like like Nabisco is a cracker bandit is gonna be kind of the moral of this episode. Oh, a cracker bandit. You'll see. Okay. And a cookie. Also a cookie bandit. Okay. Well, so you know, what I remember of Ritz crackers from my childhood is number one, the packaging, which hey, Stay tuned. Next week's episode, all about food packaging. Wow. You just you just let the, the food out of the package. I did. I did. So the Ritz cracker package kind of reminds me of, uh, okay, well, it's a little bit like the packaging for a graham cracker in that you've got this cardboard box, right? And then in it are these sleeves. Yes. And the sleeves have no way of reclosing. And they kind of seem a little like wax papery, sort yes. of. And they're, and and they're like, like manila envelope colored. Kind yeah. Of. And how are you supposed to reclose those things? So I don't know, but more recently they are now marketing Ritz Fresh Stacks, Is which it are just it's a exactly the same stack? thing, but it's a shorter sleeve. Yeah. Good God. Okay. Well, anyway, so when I think of my childhood, I think of the disappointing Ritz cracker packaging. Yes. Well, we're yeah, we'll definitely talk a lot about this next week about like packaging that seems designed to make the food stale as quickly as possible. Yes. <laughs> and then the other thing I remember is I remember when Ritz Bits came out. Yes. Because because uh, I, this was maybe around the same era as like Teddy Grahams, other like miniature. Yes. And like, did mini Oreos come out around that I time think also? 
so. Yes. This might have also been around the time when there would be like little hundred calorie packets sure. of these foods. So like mini portions of mini things. Yes. And like, um, I think that like they, they introduced like mini Cool Ranch Doritos fairly recently. So I think like the, the miniaturization of food continues apace. Okay. Well, Part of what I remember being... You're not going to make really, fun of me for saying continues apace? Absolutely not. Okay, no, I love it. Thanks. Uh, part of what I remember loving about Ritz Bits is they're, they're so cute. I mean, they still have like this sort of gently serrated edge of a Ritz cracker. Yes. Right? And they still have the like uh, docking, the the dimples. Yes, the seven, the seven dimples in a hexagon shape. For those of us who are always enchanted with miniature things. Oh, yeah. Ritz Bits were a marketing bonanza. Have you ever been to a miniature museum? No, but I have. There's one in Chicago because I know June really wanted to go. I think there's one in Victoria, BC. Really? Also, maybe. Uh, Okay, where's the one you've been to? I think it was the one in Victoria, BC. And was it good? I remember enjoying it. It's just like a bunch of miniature stuff. You know what I actually can recommend? So, Matthew, as you know, I I have loved having a a teaching gig in Santa Fe for the past couple of years. Well, if you ever make it to Santa Fe. Which I would like to. I have a big recommendation for you, and that is the American Folk Art Museum. It sounds like my nightmare, but you're going to tell me why I'm actually going to like it. It has this entire room that, I mean, I think it bills itself as like a toy collection. Okay. But it's actually sex toys. It's actually sex toys. That's right. So much silicone. So much. But but no, this is historic. So it's it's like like carved (laughs) bone and and, uh, glass. Hardwoods, glass. Glass. No, this has a whole bunch of toys from like all over the world. A lot of creepy looking dolls. A lot of really cool stuff. And a lot of miniatures. Okay. Oh, I'm sold. So good. I mean, I, I can't even describe it adequately. Listeners, if any of you are in Santa Fe, maybe you could hop onto our Reddit and and talk more with more uh, authority authority yeah. about the the Museum of Folk Art. Well, our listeners are nothing if not authoritative. That's right. Just like um, us. I have a question about Ritz Bits that I can't remember the answer to and kind of couldn't find. Have they have they always been sandwiches? When they Ooh. first came out, I feel like I think the answer is yes. That's a really good question because I I, I like, want to believe think that they, they were just originally just like smaller Ritz crackers. <sighs> I hope that they were because I feel like that's like the Ritz version of a Pepperidge Farm goldfish. Yeah, that's true. I feel like that would okay. be a really smart thing to sell. Okay, listeners, like after you tell us about like what's going on <laughs> in the bowels of the museum in Santa Fe, like tell us what happened with when they introduced Ritz Bits. Okay. Anyway, I think. Uh, I didn't search the internet exhaustively for this, but what I could find was that Ritz Bits came out in 1989. Yeah, and that's like, you know, it's enough before the internet that that like you, there could be like big news that everyone needs to know in the world of snacks. So so like, yeah, like now there are Teddy Grahams, which are like small bear-shaped cookies, and like everyone's going to be into these. Or fruit roll-ups, right? Yes. Like just like these things were like huge waves just crashing over our lunch boxes. Exactly. <laughs> Matthew, speaking yes. speaking of um of crashing, could <laughs> could we go ahead and open and crash a into pack some of, these? of these? Yeah, yeah. for sure. We, we got to start with the original, right? Yes, yes. Uh, in the fresh stacks format, which I don't know, looks like it's going to have what like twenty crackers instead of forty. I think even less. So uh, I think this is twelve or thirteen crackers. If it's thirteen, like we're in for some bad luck. 
And I think actually I have one more. I, I kind of went overboard with the Ritz purchasing because no, I think we actually I'm, have one more flavor. This is wonderful. Wait, you have one more flavor stash so. somewhere around here? Okay. So here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this. I, I wanna put it salt side down mm-hmm. on my tongue. Mmm. Oh, that is good. Mmm. Mmm. Okay, so this is the original. Uh, I mean, what's not to love? Mmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Matthew, what do you think these cookies are? I mean, what do you think these crackers are like designed to do? Are they mm. designed to be eaten plain like one eats a chip? So I, I've always gotten the impression that they're really designed with like topping and sandwiching in mind. But they they are a good snack cracker. Can I have the, the other one? The whole wheat? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so now we have a box of uh, Ritz, like original, but the whole wheat format. Yes. Now, Molly, I noticed you haven't asked about my memory lane. Oh, yeah. I don't care. I just okay. want to eat the Ritz. No. Um, <laughs> stop touching my crackers. <laughs> okay. Now, Matthew, tell me about your memory lane. I don't know. I guess I also remember when they introduced Ritz bits. These, I remember as a kid, these never being my favorite or least favorite cracker. My favorite cracker, probably Triscuit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Least favorite cracker would be like something plain, like like a saltine or Cars water cracker. Although now I like those. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This is interesting. So the ones baked with whole wheat, I get the whole wheat in like the finish. Mm-hmm. Hold on, but now they're I'm pretty at, similar. They're very similar. Wow. Okay, so, Matthew, tell me everything there is to know about you. <laughs> wasn't that right, a yeah, line from singles <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so um first of all come to debbie country um <laughs> i mean you probably want to know about like what what are like the the specifications of a ritz cracker yeah what makes it a ritz and not something else okay well we're definitely gonna get into that but they're uh, 46 millimeters in diameter obviously oh, okay uh, they have seven perforations and they weigh about three grams Wow. Okay. I I had no idea I was going to get uh, the measurements for Ritz. So now I can fit a pair of pants to it. That's true. You can you can get uh, yeah. First they introduce Ritz bits, then Ritz pants. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The okay. the official Ritz website is now found at snackworks.com, which I liked a lot. Wow. Uh, and uh, Nabisco, uh, maker of Ritz, is uh, owned by Mondelez International or Mondelez International. I'm not sure, but it's fun to say either way. I was going to say Mondelez. Mondelez. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So so as when I saw that name, I'm like, okay, I vaguely heard of this as a food conglomerate. It's probably from like Switzerland. No. Uh, it's based in Chicago, and the oh. name is supposed to be short, supposed to be short for Mondo Delicious or something like that. Mondeles. Yes, I think Wikipedia said it was, it was okay. from the Latin Mundus, meaning world, and Delis, right. meaning delicious in no language. Mondeles. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, so, sure. Right. Okay, um, wait. So Mondeles owns Nabisco. Yes, and a bunch of other food companies when did like that Kraft. Happen? The mid two thousands, I huh. think. Wow, there's been a lot going on in a snack acquisition. Snack acquisition, yeah. Snack acquisition. A lot of vertical integration, <laughs> a lot of snack acquisitions, a lot of horizontal, even have some diagonal been, have, integration. Have there been mergers? There have been mergers and acquisitions. <laughs> I've been hostile takeovers. There, there are barbarians at the gate. Um, <laughs> I think I'm out of business jargon. Do you have any, any more? <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble opening this bag of Ritz. Bits. Yeah, we should we should like just integrate this direct. We should have a merger and acquisition with the food packaging episode that we're doing next week. Okay. All right. So so you've opened the Ritz Bits sandwiches. Okay. You know what I'm fascinated by? The color is different. 
they're oriented in one direction. Look. They're oriented in one direction. One side of the sandwich is the bottom of the cracker. The mm-hmm. other side is the top of the cracker. I think I understand what you so so are you just going by like the salt grains? What are you talking about? Wait a about? minute, let me see yours. Flip it. Oh, yours has is top up on both sides. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. So you can tell which is the bottom, like which which side it was baked on, just by like the the pattern, the the dappled pattern of browning. Yeah, right? okay. yeah, okay. Matthew, I gotta say, I don't understand what the deal is with these these um, cheese filled um, Ritz bits. It literally contributes no flavor. There's a little bit of a creamy texture. Like I'm not, I've never been a big fan of like kind of the room temperature cheese with a Z spread, um, but. Did you say cheese with a Z spread? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Wait a minute. You just came up with that? Like, yeah. On the, wow. I think I just turned Canadian. <laughs> can I Can I get citizenship? Cheese with a Z spread. It's like a bed spread. <laughs> wow. Wow, Matthew. You know, I, mean, I mean, like you know the the little the little packages with the red stick that you can spread your, your I know cheese what you mean. spread. Like I think that's the same stuff that's in here. Hold on, you didn't get any that are filled with peanut butter. I didn't get any that were filled with peanut oh butter. Oh my god! Sorry, we can spread peanut butter on a regular one. Uh, you know, this has a this cheese with a cheese Zed with spread. A spread has a little bit of a sweet aftertaste it that sure I does. don't yeah. care for. Yeah, I don't think we're going to end up finishing these. Ooh. Yeah. But you can have them if you want. I so you want to learn a little bit about the history of Ritz before we dive into some of the, the variations? Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, so, so the answer is no. <laughs> what do you what do you got there? Oh, this is... Uh, Everything. Oh, yeah, okay. So there are a couple of flavored ones. So I did not get the roasted vegetable flavored Ritz Ooh. because the idea of a roasted vegetable flavored cracker really skeeved me out. Was it like just general roasted vegetable? Just general roasted vegetable. No, I don't want that. Yeah, like I love roasted vegetables. I make them many times a week, but I don't want the, the flavor somehow infused into a cracker. Although December said they've had them and they're pretty good. Mm, I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's everything season one. It's like just as, just what you would expect, and it's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now I'm ready to listen. I'm ready. All right. So most of this information came from Wikipedia, although I confirmed some of it on Snackworks.com. <laughs> okay. The Ritz cracker is descended from a cracker called the Jackson. That's J-A-X-O-N, which was made by the Jackson Cracker Company of Jackson, Michigan. However, the story gets a lot fuzzier from here because uh, Nabisco, which was then called the National Biscuit Company, bought Jackson Cracker in 1919. But Nabisco needed a competitor to the Hi-Ho Cracker from the now-defunct Sunshine Biscuit Company, which was originally known as the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. What? Yeah, that, that is exactly – so I told I, – I excitedly told uh, wife of the show, Lori, about this, and she said the exact thing you just said, which was, what? This is nonsense. <laughs> so it was named after two people named Loose and Wiles, but it was the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. And – they made the Hi Ho Cracker like under the Sunshine Biscuit name until like the early '80s. I'm sorry, and... but okay, this we're talking about they being the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. Well, so the the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company quickly changed its name to the Sunshine Biscuit Company for Got probably it. for obvious reasons. But okay. uh, if okay. we can work the the name Loose Wiles into this episode a few more times, that would make me happy. No, no, okay, but so just to just to to clarify or to reiterate, so the Hi Ho Cracker was made by. 
this company. The Sunshine Biscuit Company. Right. That Nabisco, and Nabisco was like, ooh, this hi-ho cracker is a, a profitable cracker. We need a competitor. Right. And I looked at, I found like photos of hi-ho crackers from the 80s, and they're just Ritz crackers. It's the same okay. thing. So I don't know how the Jackson cracker was involved at all. Like that part of the story didn't really pan out for me, but- it seems clear that Nabisco is like a major cookie and cracker thief because they stole this cracker and Hydrox from the Sunshine Biscuit Company at around the same time. Wait a minute. But hold on. Wait a minute. The mm-hmm. Ritz cracker is descended from a cracker called the Jackson, mm-hmm. Jackson, made by the Jackson Cracker Company. And then Nabisco bought the Jackson Cracker Company. Yeah. So I'm guessing that Jackson Cracker, <laughs> Jackson Cracker, uh, <laughs> Probably they ripped off the Sunshine Biscuit Hi-Ho Cracker, and then Nabisco bought them and rebranded it, maybe. Like, Why I didn't, do you think the wh- ripping off goes in this direction? Just because Nabisco has done this a bunch of times. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. so like they, have, they have a track record as, as uh, like a, a, a snack thief. But like, <laughs> like, also, like, also like, like who, who actually cares if like one big biscuit company like copies another biscuit company's hang, hang biscuit? On. Hang on. Do you think that there is any sort of, uh, by the way, nice use of biscuit a lot. You should definitely be allowed Canadian citizenship now. Okay. I mean, especially for referring to a cracker as a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, um, that's and, true. Anyway, wait, Matthew. So a hamburglar is somebody who <laughs> steals hamburgers. What is somebody who steals crackers or snacks? Uh, a Biscoff law. <laughs> wow. that? Pretty good. That's right? evocative of the Biscoff cracker. <laughs> I know. Which, okay. Would you call Biscoff a cracker? A cookie. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, what's um, someone, so, so someone who just steals crackers and cookies in general? A, a, a snack tracker? A snack snack. No, that's, that's snack more like a- jacker. A snack jacker. Snack jacker. Yeah! Yes! Woo! Okay, so, okay. so Nib- Nabisco or is a, a cereal jacker. snack jacker or cracker, but that sounds like they're stealing Cracker Jacks. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, snack jacker. I mean, Cracker okay. Jacks were probably stolen from like Fiddle Faddle, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so okay. like companies are always like stealing stuff from other companies. That's that's how it goes. Okay. Um, anyway, so so like my guess is this was kind of like a style of cracker that was around, and Ritz just ended up winning the branding contest. And do you know where the name Ritz comes from? I do. Oh. So Nabisco released the Ritz cracker in 1934. And the name and logo were designed by Nabisco employee Sidney Stern, who, according to every source I found, based the logo on a name on a label he found inside his hat. <laughs> so, okay. so okay. like, yeah, so he's like uh, sitting at his sitting at his desk at the biscuit at the biscuit works, and and like, hmm, like I need a design for this new cracker. Like, takes off his hat, like hmm, Kaiser says, <laughs> like this, this is very like Mad Men. It I mean, is, can't yeah, you just imagine? It totally is. Like, uh, okay. And, like, in, in very much in the Mad Men vein, like, originally, I mean, it's called Ritz. Like, the name was inspired by the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, and mm-hmm. it was supposed to uh, denote, like, a luxury cracker. And something I thought was interesting is, like, we did Ferrero Rocher's, like, a couple weeks, last week, a couple weeks ago. And those still, like, maintain, like, a luxurious image. Mm-hmm. Ritz does not. No. And, like, I don't know if that's just because they've been around longer or they just, they chose to de-emphasize that part of the ad campaign, but now they're just some cracker. I also think the word Ritz has not, like, maintained its 
uh, primacy in terms of like synonyms for fancy. Right. Like no one says ritzy much anymore. Yeah. Whereas Ferrero Rocher, people are constantly saying Ferrero Rocher. And like, oh my God, my outfit today is so Ferrero so Rocher. So Ferrero with a hint of Rocher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Sidney Stern also designed the Animal Crackers box. Oh, so, what a genius. Yeah. Real, real Love advertising genius. A real, uh, Hold what, on. what's the guy? What's the guy from Mad Men? All I can think of is Bob Sacamano. Uh, real Don Draper? Don Draper, yeah. Uh, hold on. Uh, a, another package that is absolute garbage in terms of freshness, like being able to mm-hmm. keep something fresh after you open it, the Animal Crackers package. Good point. So so really, Sidney Stern, more of a villain than a hero, That's right. is what we're saying. Okay. That's right. And a Ritz box appears in the 1939 Mickey Mouse cartoon, Mickey's Surprise Party, which was a uh, short cartoon sponsored by Nabisco that's on YouTube. I'm not going to watch it. I didn't watch it, uh, but I did, I did like scrub through it until I found, okay, yes, there really is a picture of a Ritz Crackers box. I hate old Mickey Mouse cartoons. Hate them. Well, how do you feel about old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons? Don't like those either. I kind of like old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Really? Yeah. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh huh. So, like, you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet. Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So, Matthew, when do you want to eat these? Like, uh, okay. (laughs) Right now. No, no. But I got to say, I think of this as a cracker that you just eat on its own. I wouldn't set this out with like cheese. Would you? I don't know. It's like a it's a classic topper, I think. I mean, like if you go to to snackworks.com, my favorite website, like they have dozens of recipes for like shit to put on a Ritz cracker. Really? Yeah. But Ritz Do crackers, any of these have like a back of the box recipe? Are also so delicate, uh, you know, so flaky. And yet, like when we'll get to this, but like they they advise you to put to really like look load them up. 
Okay, I want to try the. Wait, can I try the to- the toasted? Yeah. So, oh wait, those are chips. Right. So I got two products here that I'm curious. So so uh, there's Ritz toasted chips. I got ranch flavor and Ritz cheese crispers, cheddar flavor. And the thing I'm wondering about these is less are they good, which I'm betting they probably are, but do they remind you of a Ritz cracker in any way, or are they just reusing the name? Okay. All right. I, I'll be the judge. You be the judge of this. Okay, so this is the Ritz Toasted Chip Ranch Flavor. This product is square. Mm -hmm. A little smaller. Wow. Also, there are a lot of fuck-ups in this bag. (laughs) Oh, I kind of find that charming. Oh. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) Okay, wait. Yeah, let me give me a gift. Okay. It's a little bit like a Ritz in its flaky crunchiness, but mm. it's more crunchy and less tender. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It does have the ruffled edge. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm getting, I'm getting like the the sort of sort of fake fake buttery flavor of a Ritz in the aftertaste. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you think about this? This has a really Real a really forward buttermilk flavor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Generally, I like ranch flavored anything, and they did a good job here. Hold on. I am flirting with the idea of calling this a perfectly engineered food product. Ooh. I am loving this. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think I'm gonna for me, I'm gonna have to see like how quickly I finish them over the next couple of days because you can't have any more. <laughs> no, you can take some. Okay. Hold on. Just to reiterate everybody, this is a bag. It says Ritz and then it says toasted chips. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, it is sold in the in the cracker aisle, not the chip aisle. Ah. Although, to be fair, if you walk down the cracker aisle, that's probably also the chip aisle. Mmm. Mmm. I love this. Wow. Mmm. 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 Okay, tell me about these. Mmm. Okay, so this is the Ritz cheese, cheese crisper. This kind of, uh, you know, has mm. the looks of a, a Cheez-It or a better cheddar. But it's a little thinner. Kind of looks like it might be just cheese. Well, it says it's a it's a uh, wheat potato and wheat biscuit. Wow, this is really good. Really good. Wow, this is like a they lot better. They got some better. real like intense toasting on the cheese, and like it almost feels like there's real cheese on there. I am astounded by what a good product this is. Okay, so I like as a snack food, I would give this a very high rating. As something that reminds me of a Ritz cracker, no. zero. <laughs> I mean, good work, Mondelez International, but it's not a Ritz. No. No. I'm glad I got it. Oh. It was great. I love this. Mmm. Okay. Speaking of that butter flavor Mm -hmm. that these cheese crispers don't have. Right. What is that? Okay, so uh, as you may know, not the cheese ones, but original Ritz are uh, are vegan. They do not actually contain butter despite having a buttery flavor. Really? I didn't know they were vegan. Yep. Um, but there is some sort of natural butter flavoring hiding in the natural flavors at the end of the ingredients list, and that's probably something like diacetyl, acetylpropionyl, or acetoin, uh, and these are buttery-tasting compounds that can be isolated from soybeans or vegetable oils and are therefore considered natural flavors. Hmm. And these have been around for a really long time. Okay. Probably, probably not totally unrelated to uh, uh, the stuff that you pour on your movie theater popcorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm glad that it, it's it's used to a more subtle effect. Though, uh, yeah, in a I am Ritz. too. Like it's it's really easy to overdo that stuff. Hmm. Mm. I am thrilled with these. Great, great snack. 
Have you ever had the Ritz mock apple pie recipe or ever made it? I have not. Am I correct that this is basically an entire pie filled with Ritz crackers? Yeah, that have been soaked in like butter and lemon juice and cinnamon. Well, anything that you you soak in butter and cinnamon... That's the idea. ...is ultimately going to taste like an apple. Right. So I, like, had sort of forgotten this existed, but I think I made it once, like, with my mom as a kid, Mm -hmm. and I know someone brought it to an e-gullet party once, and we, like, tasted it alongside apple pie. It's not as good as apple pie, but it is, like, it's, it's, like, more like apple pie than you would expect, I guess. But it's just, like... A depression era thing where people so busy, like so eager to have apple pie that they would settle for this. So I, it actually predates Ritz crackers like by a long time. But then Ritz crackers was like, like jumped on it like around. Yeah. Also during the depression. Yes. It, uh, the first mock apple pie recipe on record, it dates to 1812 what? and was a British naval recipe. And so the idea was Did like. Did use hardtack? Yeah. Like like you're out on this this sea voyage and and like the ships cook like you don't you don't have apples because they all went bad like you know weeks ago and so you, you use hardtack to make a pie and then like now nowadays like I don't think there's any reason to make it other than as a stunt because I think Ritz crackers cost more than apples probably yeah it depends on where you get them right uh, but like you know as a stunt like why not you need some something to like entertain your kid for an hour. Speaking of stunts, do you think anyone actually makes the uh, the suggestions from the uh, the Ritz, Ritz website for like what to put on Ritz crackers? They should. Okay, you just hit on an incredible marketing idea. They should make like a like a extreme sports like Mountain Dew Code Red style Ritz spinoff called Rips. <laughs> Like, it's like the snack for like, you know, the like in the in the video, like, you know, Sean White or some cool young snowboard guy will be like doing a flip and like popping some rips crackers. Are they like caffeinated? They're they're caffeinated. They're also carbonated somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Rips carbonated. I mean, caffeinated crackers. (laughs) <laughs> this is a great idea. <laughs> we got to get on this if we if we're going to be ready for the 2024 20, Olympics. Okay, so but we need a logo. Look under your hat. <laughs> <laughs> what if we're not wearing hats? Then we my our business plan might be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Okay. Okay, so so you said what what uh, have I done the stuff? Well, no, like would anybody do these things? I'm looking at what you wrote on the agenda that there. Okay, there's suggestions on the Ritz website, snackworks.com, for things like <laughs> <laughs> bacon wrapped cheeseburger sandwich on a Ritz cracker. I mean, yeah, like you put some like like a little burger patty and some cheese and like yeah, not, no, not going to happen, and it's going to fall apart. Okay, what um, about the spiced pumpkin cheesecakes with chocolate? Okay, so this sounds good and like less work than the cheeseburger thing I think so you make like a no-bake pumpkin cheesecake filling you pipe it onto Ritz like the idea that someone's going to get out their piping bag to put something on a Ritz cracker I'm skeptical Uh, and then you drizzle it with melted chocolate again that's a lot of work Uh, okay, hold on. Uh, it's a lot of work, and once you're done, you're going to be like, this is good, but why is there a Ritz cracker in it? Yeah, right. totally. No, th- these are things to only make if you win some sort of contest that gives you, like, a lifetime supply of Ritz crackers. Exactly. I would take a lifetime s- supply of uh, cheese crispers or or Rips caffeinated carbonated <laughs> crackers. 
the one the one that I felt like was most like sort of the back of the box recipe I was expecting was Ritz Holiday Crostini, and like it's too late now because it's January. But uh, you top them with cream cheese, raspberry preserves, prosciutto, and green onion. I think three of those things sound good together, uh, and uh, that's it. Okay, Olden, can I guess which one doesn't sound mm-hmm. good together? I'm going to guess that you're bumping out the raspberry preserves. I'm bumping off raspberries. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. Wow. The Matthew. cheese crispers, it got like a bitterness to them. Like they really took the cheese toasting to the edge, and I like it. I've just eaten so many mm-hmm. of the toasted chips, the ranch flavor toasted chips. Okay, so that's kind of all I got for Ritz crackers. I got to say, these cheese crispers, what they remind me of almost is Frico. Yes. Yeah. 100%. That kind of like... It has a really lacy crunch and that kind of true, like, toasted aged cheese flavor. I didn't even look to see if there are any other flavors. Oh, wait. Here we go. Uh, hey. <laughs> bring them back. There's cheddar and there's uh, four cheese and four cheese and herb. No, I don't want no, that. No, we'll stick with cheddar on this. Hmm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I feel like we learned a lot today. I've just eaten a lot today. Yeah, I mean, just look under your hat, and you never know what you'll find. Mm. Could be your head. Could be someone else's head. Could be a cheese crisper. Could be a cheese crisper. Uh, Shall we move on to segments? Yeah. All right. We have some spilled mail from listener Asa. I found this one really thought-provoking. Me too. Okay, listener Asa says, Hi, Molly and Matthew. I just got back from a visit to Seattle. I used to live there, but moved away in 2009 and hadn't visited since 2013. I was shocked by how much Seattle has changed. Since I'd lived in Fremont and Ballard, those are the neighborhoods I noticed the most changes, and I felt like I was in an alternate universe where things were familiar yet somehow different. It wasn't unpleasant, as not every change was bad. The Fremont Troll has a new little park next to it. The Ballard Farmer's Market is bigger. Ballard has a Mighty O's Donuts now. So my question is, have you ever experienced this in your travels? And if so, how did it make you feel? There is a second half to this this letter, but let's start with this first question. Okay, yeah. Like, have I experienced this in my travels? Yes, for sure. Like, uh, you know, going going to the same neighborhood in Japan a bunch of times, which we'll we'll talk about in the second half of the of the question. Also, like, definitely, you know, life life goes on. Places close. You know, n- new buildings get built. Uh, you know, no nobody ever really loves brand new buildings. I think, but then like once they've been around for a while, and uh, like you sort of forget the thing they replaced. Like then you then you start to love them after enough years go by. That's interesting. I'm thinking about uh, the the site of the old Sunset Bowl in Ballard. Sure. Which maybe listener Asa remembers. I like was racking my brain the other day trying to figure out like where it used to be. Like I'm so used to the building that's there now. I just read a great um, um, uh, on the uh, Capitol Hill, Seattle blog, um, a remembrance sort of oral history of the Orpheum record store. Did you ever go to Orpheum no. at the north end of Broadway? I lived across the street from it for many years, and it was like my little you know record store where I would go buy CDs. Like I bought I bought the Postal Service album there mm-hmm. and the first uh, the first Shins album and all kinds of stuff. 
And it was just like a, a lovely little local record store. Like everyone worked who worked there was in a band. And of course, it's not there anymore. And you know, closed many years ago. And I think it's where Lionhead is now. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just like like almost almost none of the places that that we first start, you know, we go to all the time when we first moved to Seattle are still there. And yet there's like some aspect of the neighborhood that like transcends all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that. And again, uh, here, I'm, I'm going to talk a bit about Seattle, which isn't, you know, traveling for me since sure. I live here. But there are so many restaurants that I miss from here. Oh, yeah. And that's really surprising to me because I, I, I well, I don't know, like there are still so many restaurants that I love that are still around. But for instance, uh, did you ever go to the Longshoreman's Daughter in yes. Fremont? That uh, Nothing has I think replaced the last time, that yeah, for me. I, I, Went there in 96, and I don't think I, w- I went there any time after that. I was going there in the early 2000s. Yeah. And uh, nothing can replace that. Uh, the uh, Another thing that I really miss is Nettletown. Which, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, was Christina Choi, right. I believe was her name, who died tragically young. Uh, and that restaurant, there truly was nothing else like it, and there hasn't been yeah. Sense. So like, you know, so I, I I and I feel like that's a restaurant that and a location that was unlikely to begin with. So I don't know. I, I think the thing the thing that I wrote this in my in my first book and like uh, I feel like it's it's like the only the only like wise advice for myself that I've ever come up with really is that like, you know, whether whether you're talking about your hometown or someplace you love traveling that like, you know, restaurants and shops are like pets. They probably are not going to live as long as you and you have to find a way to like enjoy them while they're here and uh, cherish their memory because like you know if if you go through life like expecting them to last forever then you'll be very disappointed yeah yeah I do have one one uh, travel related answer yeah. to Asa's question, and that is: um, so this past spring we went to the Bay Area to visit family, mm-hmm. and of course the Bay Area is another another. Well, I mean every city has experienced tremendous change just during the pandemic, but uh, San Francisco, I feel like is not even the same place that it was when I went to college sure. in the Bay Area 20 years ago. No, definitely not. Um, and I haven't spent the same kind of concentrated time there that I did during those four years, admittedly. But uh, something that I think was really sad for me, I mean, ab- above and beyond all, all the other things that are troubling about big West Coast cities, the homeless populations and things like that, um, and income disparity. Yeah. But it, what was so sad to me is to see how different Chinatown was in oh, San Francisco. I haven't, been, I haven't been in years. Oh, my God. When I was a kid, I remember we would always park at the Stockton Stutter Garage. Stockton Stutter. Wow. <laughs> Stockton Sutter Garage, uh, just off Union Square. Okay. My aunt worked uh, worked in the city. And um, and for like a special occasion when we were visiting my aunt and cousins, we would go into the city and she always knew like all the best places to park and all the best shops and stuff. And I have very fond memories as a kid of going with my mom and her twin sister and my cousins to Union Square and then walking from Union Square up through Chinatown. And I remember we would always get those shoes that we called like China flats. They were like sure. Flat, kind of flimsy, black, like canvas Mary Janes. Mm -hmm. 
And every shop in Chinatown seemed like filled with wonder um, and like new smells and like beautiful silk things that we wanted as kids. But even more than that, I remember eating in restaurants there, like going into these restaurants, like with this this like wood paneling and these oh, like, yeah. curtains. And I remember eating in a restaurant that had individual rooms where you would push a button for Ooh, the, yeah. the server to, to come. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible as a kid. So this past spring, um, we went to the Bay Area to visit family. And June and I spent a day, just the two of us in the city. And June had some things that that she wanted to do, like going on a tour of Alcatraz and stuff like that. Uh, And we went to uh, the de Young Museum. And then I was like, oh, let's go to Chinatown. Mm -hmm. I figured she would just love it the same way I did. And it was just like a shadow of its former self. Like we walked through the gate and up the street. And I mean, obviously, a ton of stuff has closed. But yeah, it, it, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's my memory, if it's one of those things like, well, you know, your childhood memory is never the same, but it was all tourist shops now. This, and I maybe mean, it was then too. No, I, I think this is, this is going to like, uh, we're going to veer off into, into politics a little bit and then we'll, then we'll do the second half of the question and veer back. But like, you know, we're sort of like, like I'm sort of like conflating two different things that like, it, you know, we're both, we're both uh, have biology degrees, like sort of, sort of the difference between like genetic drift and selection pressure, mm-hmm. like, you know, there is there is like a place that is like, you know, a shop closes because someone someone got old and retired or died and sure. then like a new shop opened. And then there is like, you know, what West Coast cities and like, you know, other other like big cities around the world have experienced is like an influx of enormous amounts of money combined sure. with extremely regressive local zoning and taxation decisions that has produced a you know, vastly increased homeless population uh, and huge disparities of wealth far beyond what existed in those places mm-hmm. when we were young. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is that has been a, a really bad thing that has happened to our cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I felt so sad walking through there with June. It just felt like I remembered all these like, uh, you know, fruit and vegetable sellers and butcher shops and, of course, like places selling lacquered duck. And, you know, there was maybe like one or one of each of those things that we right. saw. But, yeah. On the bright side, we did discover a Chinese bakery that I'd never been to before. Excellent. And June still talks about it. Uh, what did you have? We had um, like a little cheesecake, which I later looked up a recipe for online. And it was probably more of like a Japanese mm-hmm. style cheesecake than anything I could find in like Chinese recipe blogs or whatnot. Like a like a kind of baked, like like caramelized style or more like a like a raw, like white style. It was I, I'm not sure, but it was very like a cloud like fluffy. It was kind yes. of burnished on top. Okay, yeah, yeah. But like a, a, a homogenous texture all the way through. It was like baked cloud. Yes. It was so good. We also had a couple of uh like jelly roll type cakes uh with uh, whipped cream, and then some other type of bun that I can't even remember now. We ate them on the um, on the boat ride to Alcatraz. It was oh, pretty epic. So it was epic. Okay, the second half of the question. 
When traveling, do you like going to new places or do you prefer to visit the same places? I know Matthew enjoys visiting Japan and Tokyo in particular, but do you try to seek out new things when visiting Tokyo or do you revisit the same places you've been before? For example, we went to Monkey Bridge in Ballard for lunch, an old favorite of ours, and it was just as I remembered. I debated trying a different Vietnamese place instead. How do you balance new versus old in your travels? Oh, I think about this a lot, like uh, especially because Lori and I recently were in Tokyo. We were staying in a neighborhood that we have stayed in before and wanted to go back to a lot of our favorites, but also wanted to try new places. And I think like I I, I often have to like push myself to try a new place because I know, you know, it's not going to be relaxing in the same way Mm -hmm. as a place where we sort of know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I want mostly relaxation out of my vacation, but I also don't want to get bored. And so for me, I kind of want to do like two thirds old favorites and one third new places. I think that's a really, really good ratio. I, I like that too. You know, it has been a long time since I traveled to a place I had been to before and had to confront this question. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly you and I went to Tokyo together in 2019 and we had been there together in 2017 and Tokyo is still, you know, new enough to me uh, that even doing things we had done before still felt new. Yeah, for sure. But with, but with, yes, a little bit of a tinge of comfort that wasn't there the first time. But, you know, I tend to really be somebody who likes to go back to old places. Yeah. Like Ash and I, we went to Greece together in 2018 and we have wanted to go back ever since. And I am just hard pressed to think of going to like any new places. Oh, yeah. I I just want to go right back to the same places. Awesome. So I don't know, but, but I do feel like this is I'm not somebody who gets easily bored like I'm interested in the fact yeah, that you said that you would say you know you don't want to get bored I don't even it's, know the last time I got bored yeah in the place. bored isn't really the right word I guess it's like it's that it's that feeling of of like you know I people people vary a lot of like how kind of how much novelty they need out of life yeah. and like so like I need a little yeah I would say that you and I are both uh we have low novelty needs right mm-hmm. great question gosh so thoughtful thank you listener Asa Uh, Matthew, do you have a now but wow? I do. This is one that I just heard about because this podcast uh, just joined the Maximum Fun Network, which has uh, several of my other favorite podcasts. And it's called Black People Love Paramore. And it's a podcast uh, hosted by the delightful Sequoia Holmes. And on every episode, she interviews a guest about something that they're into that may or may not be something that's generally stereotypically associated with black people. And so like some topics that uh, that they've done have been the Golden Girls, the card game Uno, Reba Mac. (laughs) McIntyre. And uh, her guests are are generally black themselves, uh, except when the guest is Haley Williams of Paramore, which happened recently. Okay, wait, hold on. What what is Paramore? Uh, Paramore is an excellent uh, rock band uh, that that first first got well known in like the mid 
mid to late 2000s and has become kind of steadily more popular uh, since then. And they are known in this kind of in the same way that like Dave Grohl is known as being like a uh, a band of white people that a lot of black people really love. I did not know that Dave Grohl's work is known that way. Oh, there's like this Foo great, Fighters? There's this great uh, interview. Yes. With uh, uh, that Dave Grohl did with uh, with Jesus and Marrow. Um, okay. where, where they, where they said to him, like, you know, uh, so, so Dave Grohl, like black people really love Dave Grohl. Can you explain this? And like Dave Grohl, like fumbled through an answer to, oh, to this impossible question. Yes. Okay. It was, it was d- delightful. And like for, for me as a white person listening to this podcast, like it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Like I'm, you know, listening in on a semi-private conversation, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say that like, you know, Anyone, anyone is not allowed to listen to this show. But I think like the fact that I feel that way means that I think it's doing a great job of what it set out to do, mm-hmm. which is to make black people feel more seen when it comes to the the wide variety of stuff that they're into. Nice. So, so really how, where can show. we find this again? Uh, anywhere you get podcasts. It's just called Black People Love Paramore. Okay. And it's not it's not okay. all about Paramore. It's just it's just a catchy title. OK, great. Uh, our producer is Abby Circatella. Uh, Molly has a an excellent newsletter called I've Got a Feeling uh, that you can find at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. Oh, well, thank you, Matthew. You know, I would love to talk up your music for a second. Oh, thank you. Matthew is uh, a remarkable singer. I, I get like a lot of behind the scenes. It's true. Like, like if, I, if I lay down something clips. in practice, I will send it over to Molly and say, check out what I did. Uh, the other day, in fact, you sent me something that prompted me to reply back. How does one learn how to yell sing? Or like sing, yell. Yeah, and like I'm not even very good at that, but I'm better at it than I was a few years ago. And the answer is you have to practice a lot. Well, it's inspiring. So uh, you can listen to Matthew's music anywhere that music is heard. Anyway, these bands are called Early to the Airport and Twilight Diners. And you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. And yeah, hang out with other listeners and talk about your favorite Ritz products or like uh, a cracker you stole or something you found inside your hat at um, <laughs> uh, everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. You know, I also really, uh, I would like some of our listeners to taste the Ritz cheese crispers and also the Ritz toasted chips ranch flavor. And let us know if you agree that these are really exceptional products. Yeah. And I'd like some of our listeners to taste the rainbow of fruit flavors. That's right. Do it. Uh, okay, well... And that was the closing joke. I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Amsterbrink. That was, uh, manic. That was a roller coaster. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.